Father God, we worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Lord, that revelation knowledge would flow freely. We thank you, Father God, that it would be uninterrupted. It would not be hindered, Father God, by any satanic or demonic spirit. We thank you, Lord, to be able to gather together as the corporate body underneath this roof, Father God. Lord, I thank you that healing can be administered to the bodies that need it. Healing, Father God, can be administered to the hearts and the minds that need it. Peace, Father God, can surpass our understanding. So, Father, those that are going through difficult times in this difficult season, I pray, Father God, that you be very near and dear to them. Jesus, show yourself faithful to each and every single one of us beyond a shadow of the doubt. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work in this congregation today. Touch ears, Lord, to be made ready to hear. Hearts, Father God, ready to receive. And we thank you, Lord, that you'll receive all of the glory, all of the honor. They all belong unto you. It's in the mighty, matchless, magnificent name of Jesus. We say amen, amen, and amen. Today we're going to be in the book of 2 Peter at the third chapter, and I, I want for us to look at some things today. Uh, reading the Word is a powerful thing, you know, amen? We are students of the Word, amen? Uh, we believe in looking at the Word for ourselves, amen? We like to come to church to get educated, amen? We don't like to come to church just to shout and to fall out somewhere, amen? Although that would be all right too, amen? I'm good to, uh, it's good to be here, it's good to be with you. In the book of 2 Peter, the third chapter, uh, if you haven't been with us or you're new to us, many of you know that I like to go through things really line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, we have here in 2 Peter, the third chapter, uh, the, the writer is writing to the church, and he's writing to let the church know that there is a day that is coming when Jesus is going to return. Uh, I don't know if you guys know that, but Jesus is coming back. Now, I don't know when he's coming back. I'm just going to be honest with you. He could come back in an hour. He could come back in 15 minutes. Uh, he could come back in two years. He could come back in 10 years. He said no man knows the time when he's going to return. But the truth is, is that he is coming back. One of the things that I think for Ram Burton just in general is this. If he was to return right now, would I be ready? If he was to return right now, boom, Jesus is here. Am I going to be ready? And is he going to say, come on in, let's go on to glory? Or is he going to say, brother, depart from me. I never knew you. Uh, that is a severity in being a Christian. See, a lot of people like to straddle the fence because they think that they have time. I can play in the world. I can do a little bit over here in the world. I can club. I can get loose just a little bit. I can do some crazy things over here. And Jesus isn't really paying attention to that. I can be in the world for just a little bit. Give me, you know, Lord Jesus, give me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to be in the world. But when Sunday comes, oh, glory, hallelujah. How many of you know that, that, that we don't need to be playing with God like that? How many of you know that God is serious about his business? He says, there's something that he says in the book of Revelation. He says, either I want you to be hot or to be cold. Because anything that's in between, I'm going to spit out of my mouth. Now, if I was to spit something out of my mouth right now, most of you would be disgusted. But the reality is, is that Jesus himself says, either be hot or be cold. 
And so, you know, I have to be honest with some worldly people that I run into with. I appreciate the fact that you're just a straight-up sinner and you ain't even trying to cover it. I can appreciate that fact because I know where you stand. And for Christians that are sold out to God, I'm thankful for those kind of people because I can appreciate, I know where you stand. I know where you're at. But them people that are in the middle, it's kind of hard to judge you. Like, I don't really know where you're at. You know, I, I see your lucid booty over here, but then I see you over here and you're, you're raising holy hands. I didn't see you just uh, do this, that, and the other with them same hands the other day, but now you're over here lifting holy hands. We have to be a people who are very mindful of that. And I think that being reminded that Jesus is returning for his church, Jesus is going to come back, Jesus is going to judge the entire world, Jesus is going to be the one that is going to do some separating, I think it's important that we keep that in the forefront of our mind because when we lose track of that, we lose track of accountability. Join me in the book, if you will, of 2 Peter, the third chapter. Uh, in 2 Peter, the third chapter, uh, I'm going to start in here at verse 1. This is now, beloved, the second letter that I'm writing to you, which is to stir up your sincere mind by a way of reminder. So what he's saying is, I'm writing to you to remind you of some things. I'm writing to you because I want to have you sincere in the way that you represent and the way that you serve and the way that you glorify and the way that you honor Jesus. Because much like in the days that these people were writing, a lot of times people are like, when is Jesus coming back? Uh, It's it been some years. He ain't came back yet. And so people get very impatient. But the truth is, is that Paul writes and he says, look, I want to stir up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and our Savior spoken by your apostles. Now he's speaking directly to the church to say, be reminded of what the apostles have said. Be reminded of what the prophets have said. Be reminded essentially of what the Old Testament has talked to us about. Now in this day and age, because we're quite removed from the apostles and the prophets, uh, I, I like to look at this just from a slightly different perspective. I don't know how many of you may have been raised in a, a relatively spiritual family. Uh, I wasn't particularly raised in a spiritual family. In fact, you know, I was a partier before I was a preacher. Um, but the reality is, as many people I come in contact with, their mama that they were under, or their daddy sometimes, but most of the time their mama, their mama had a spirituality that was sincere and that was real. And they would talk to their children about the spirituality. They would talk to their children about Jesus. They would put them in the mind of who Jesus is. And so when I read through this, sometimes it just reminds me that the things that were spoken beforehand are often when they are in respect and regard to Jesus are important to remember. The older I get, the more times I say, man, my parents knew some things that I really needed to know that I didn't really have a revelation of then. But I'm reminded in this passage of scripture that some of the things that were handed down to us, some of the things that were spoken beforehand, those were the seeds for your life to get you to the place where you are now. And I'm just telling you that sometimes it does not hurt to have a little bit of a flashback to remember not only the Old Testament, what things have been spoken and what the God has spoken, but also for those of, the, those of us that have had people in our life that have sown seeds. One of the things I love about our church additionally is I get the opportunity to speak to many of you, and I'm often inspired by the way that many of your parents poured into your lives, the way that many of the people that were around you poured into your lives. It's like a lot of times when you didn't know it, God was sowing seeds in your life to get your attention. 
A lot of times when you didn't know it, God was putting people in your path to sow seeds in your life to get your attention. And when he has your full attention, you finally will appeal to it. But he says, look, listen to these things that were spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior, spoken by your apostles. Now, we're getting ready to get into some end times matter. We're getting ready to move into a place where he says that the day of the Lord is coming. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking. If you don't know what a mocker is, it's somebody who talks bad about you. It's a hater. Maybe that's a good way to say it in this generation. How many of you have a hater in your life? If you don't have a hater, you might not be on the right team. I'm just going to tell you that. If you don't have any haters, and I'm hoping that they're hating on you because of your stance in Jesus, but if you don't have any haters or any mockers or anybody that's talking bad about you, we're going to double check whose team you're on. Because as soon as you get on Team Jesus, you get a whole bunch of devils that come out the woodworks that want to tell you about how awful Team Jesus is, but it's really their issue. It says, in the last days, mockers, people, scoffers, people who would haters, people who would talk about you, they will come with their mocking following after their own lust. In other words, they're really talking about you because they want to pursue what they want to pursue. That's why some of your families don't like you right now because you're pursuing godliness and you won't go and drink and smoke and party with them the way that you used to, but they're going to mock you. Oh, you a Christian now. That's right. Yeah, I'm a Christian now. I act different. I think different. I behave different. I talk different. And the fact that I'm a Christian, the reason you have to mock it is because you want me to do what you do or you want me to do what I used to do and I don't do that no more. And so you got to talk about me to make you feel better about you. Bible says, look, don't be surprised. Mockers are going to come. That's why it should not shock a Christian when folk talk about you, especially if they talk about, oh, you think you're better than me. No, I don't think you, I'm better than nobody. What I think is I found Jesus and he made me better. Ain't got nothing to do with you. The fact that you feel that I'm better than you has something to do with you and not me. Mockers are going to come, and they're going to be following, it says, after their own lust. And they're going to be saying something. Now, what are they going to be saying? These people are going to come to you a lot of times, especially in this day and age. They're going to say, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of Jesus' coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Now, what is this saying? Basically, it's saying is that people want to know, okay, you believe in this Jesus thing. He ain't back yet. He here now. Why are you following this Jesus thing? This Jesus thing been going on for over 2,000 years. He ain't showed up yet. I don't see your Jesus. Your Jesus is so wonderful and so powerful. Why ain't he come? And so they're asking, these mockers, they're challenging your faith. They're challenging these people's faith. And he says, look, it's been this way since the beginning of creation. Y'all been talking about this stuff for the longest. He ain't came yet. I'm going to tell you what, if you look on the horizons, things ain't getting better. Things is getting worse. If you think things are getting better, then I'm not sure what you're looking at. Because what I'm looking at is things getting worse. Things going down. And it tells, let me just tell you all this, that it's got to get worse before it gets better. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people are looking for blessings on this side. You'll get your blessings if you stay in Jesus, but you're going to get some persecutions that come with it. You'll get your blessings if you stay in Jesus, but you're going to get persecuted with it. In fact, what that means is you're going to be ostracized. You're going to be outcast. You're going to be put on the sidelines. You're going to be put on the edge. And I don't know about many of you. All those words sound like that's something I don't necessarily want. I don't want people to not like me. But the Bible says anyone who is a friend with the world is an enemy of God. And if we want to be friends with the world, we become what? enemies of God. He says, look, they've, they've been talking about this for forever. For when they maintain this, it escapes their mind that God created the heavens and it existed long ago, which were formed out of water by water. 
through which the world in that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. Verse 7. But by his word, the present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. He just gives him a little flashback here. God is in control more than you think. So just because he ain't showed up when you want him to show up, that doesn't mean God isn't in control. See, my thing is a lot of times people want God on their timetable, and they don't want to get on God's timetable. It's funny, you know, they want to pray to God right at that moment. You know, they turn Jesus into the genie in the bottle. Rub on Jesus three times, and he's going to give me my house. Rub on Jesus three times, and he's going to give me my car. Rub on Jesus three times, and he's going to give me this. But see, God's timing is not like our timing. We, we have to get away from trying to put him on our schedule. We're trying to call up God, you know, heaven, I, I, I have a couple of openings on my calendar tomorrow. Do you think that you could drive by a blessing? Uh, you know, Jesus, I, I, I got a little bit of time over here. I, I need you to get on my timetable. And God is like, I am the creator of heaven and earth. You need to be on my timetable. And this is what gets people in trouble because they want God on their timetable and they don't want to get on God's timetable. And this is what gets people frustrated sometimes because when they ask God to do something, he doesn't do it the way that they want him to do it. They get mad with God and blame it on God when really it was your selfishness that wanted God to move a certain kind of way. You know, I've, I've been in situations where people have prayed for somebody and they, they passed away and they died. And people are like, see, your God don't work. And I'm like, what do you mean? Death is the ultimate healing. There is no more sickness. There is no more disease. There is no more pain. There is no more suffering. You ain't getting no more healed than being dead. Well, I prayed for mama, and I prayed for mama, and God never showed up for mama. Whose timetable are you wanting God to work on? Are you wanting God to work on your timetable because you're the creator of heaven and earth? Or do you want for God to work on his timetable because he's the creator of heaven and earth? The people basically were saying, look, uh, uh, we don't see him yet. We want it to be in a timing that we think should be the right timing. Verse 8, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Man, that's a big statement right there. So when our one day goes by, that to God is like a, it's like a thousand years. And he says it and vice versa. And then a thousand years is like one day. The way God's timetable works is so different than our timetable. God is not bound by the same earth time that we're bound by. God works in his timetable. And so when God moves and he does things, it is in the right timing. How many of you know everything that God has done is always right on time? And everything that God has done, ain't nothing caught God by surprise. That's why I love it. You know what makes me feel good about coronavirus? It didn't catch God by surprise. You know what makes me feel good about all the election stuff? It didn't catch God by surprise. You know what makes me feel good about life in general? Sometimes why I just don't, I just go to bed. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I, ain't, I can't control this mess. But none of this caught you by surprise. So if you know about it and you know that you love me and I love you, I know that I'm going to be okay and I ain't got to sweat all this mess. Because I know, God, that your timetable is different. He says that here, that know this one fact, that, beloved, the, what the Lord is like, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. Verse 9, I like this. This is going to come in handy because this is why Ram Burton got in on this side of heaven. Verse 9 says these, the Lord is not slow about his promise. Ooh, Lord is not slow about what? How many of you know that this book right here, the 66 books of love letters written to the church, this book right here has so many promises in it that it would blow your mind. 
This word right here has a promise about your situation. This word right here has a promise about your finances. This word right here has a promise about your life. This word right here has a promise about your spouse. This word right here has all kinds of promises in it. And I like that the Bible says that the Lord is not slow about his promise. But you have to understand, again, that his promise is not on your timetable. Oh, often I get this question a lot of times, you know, Pastor, I've been praying for something and it hasn't happened yet. And a lot of times people ask me, you know, well, what should I do or how long should I pray? And I tell people the same thing all the time. You pray until something happens. Until you get an answer. Make sure your prayer is aligned with Jesus. Because many of us are praying for stuff that ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. I've been praying, Lord, I would love, y'all know me, I would love a BMW 7 Series, baby. 751LI, the long one. But how many of you know that maybe it ain't my time for that? How many of you know that part of that is is because of selfishness? I'm still a man, and I know me well enough. I will shine, and it will not be about God. I would just roll down a window, just, I'm here. Wrong attitude. Wrong mentality. Wrong thing. I'm trying to appeal to my flesh and not appeal to God. Now, can God bless us with stuff, houses and cars? Sure he can. But what are you going to do with that? Is it bringing glory unto God? Is it, is it going to usher in somebody to love the Lord more? And so when we pray for things, even if it is within the scope of his promise, we sometimes have to check our heart. Because I'm going to tell you what. The Bible says this, the heart above all things is deceitfully wicked. Sometimes the stuff that Rand Burton wants as a preacher is not the right mentality. And I'm thankful that this word convicts me. And I'm thankful that this word brings me into alignment. But I'm also thankful that this word says that he is not slow about his promise. The promise isn't about a house. The promise isn't about a car. The promise isn't about all these earthly things. The promise is not about any of these earthly things in reality. The word here in the Bible says that actually the promise is really about Jesus. He is not slow about his promise, it says, but he is, as some count slowness, he is patient towards you. Why is he patient towards you? not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. I don't know about you guys, but some of you know my story. Some of you don't know my story. Uh, some of you know different people's stories in here, and a lot of you don't know the different stories in here. But most of the stories are in here. A lot of us, we went our own way for a long time. I see yes, amen. I see some nods in the back over there. I see some nods over there, too. A lot of us went our own way for a long time. In fact, you know, God was like, come on, come on. And we was like, all right, you know, maybe give me another day, Jesus. Give me another week, Jesus. Give me another year, Jesus. And he's still over there. Just come on. Come on. Come on. Just, you know, maybe down the road, Jesus. I mean, the party is over here. The fun is over here. Look at all this over here. And he just come on, come on, come on, come on. And then you're like, no, the party's over here. And the next thing you know, you done busted your head wide open. Now you're down and out at the bottom of a pit looking up. And you're like, well, that come on, Jesus might kind of work. And you just, but yet you don't want to go over there. But the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but yet it says that he is patient towards us. The patience of God dealt with most of us until we got ourselves right. Well, how many of you know his patience will wear out? How long before he just show up on the scenery and say, I'm here? 
You, you already know how I feel about stuff. How long are we going to continue killing little babies that are, you know, that are fetuses and aren't even born? How long are we going to engage in abortions? How long are we going to engage in sin? How long are we going to go around sleeping around doing what we want to do? We don't need to be married to someone. Just have sex with whoever you want. How long are we going to keep on doing these things? And God is just being patient. God was so patient with us in the process, amen? And he was so patient with me in the process because I was jacked up, messed up, toe up, toe down, toe up from the flow up. I wasn't raised in no super spiritual family. I was raised with pimps and drinkers and partiers. That's what I was raised around. That was the world I knew. I know this world. But he was patient with me. Patient with me. Patient with me when I almost fell out. Looking up like, am I going to live today? Patient with me when death was knocking on my door. Patient with me while I was still being stupid, and I'm so thankful that I got in on this side of patience. When the patience wears out, people don't understand that this earth suit now is the time to get it right. All of this life is really about one decision. One, will you get on Jesus' team? Will you stay on Satan's team? All this life is really about whose team are you on? Will be on Jesus' team or will we be on Satan's team? And the Bible says that the Lord is patient with us. Thanks be on God. Thanks be on to God for his patience. How many of you have ever prayed this prayer? And this is a good prayer. Father, I'm so sorry for all the mess I've been did, but I thank you for being patient with me. Even when man wasn't patient with me, you were patient with me. And I'm thankful, Father God, to finally surrender this old life over to you. I've done everything I know to do. I done smoked as much as I could smoke. I done drank as much as I could drink. I done sexed as much as I could sex. I've been in these streets as long as I could be in these streets. I done did all that I know. I done did all this stuff, and ain't none of it been profitable for me. Thank you for your patience. And thank you for the opportunity for me to get it right. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is what? Patient towards you. Why? He doesn't want any to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. And this is what I love about God. He's really just a, you know, like a lot of us didn't have good fathers growing up or didn't know our fathers growing up. But the story about God is this beautiful, good, good father. And he's got his arms wide open and he's always saying to his children, come home. As soon as you get that revelation, come home. He's right there to wrap his arms around you and say, come on back in. We re we've been missing you. We're ready for you. Let's lay out the feast. We're going to have a party because you're back home. That's why the Bible says when one, when one sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice. He's always got his hand out. He's always got his hand out to somebody. He's always got his hand out. He's always reaching out to us. He loves us with such undying, unfailing love that our minds cannot even wrap our head around the fact that he loves us to this degree and he loves us to this level. And if we just had a revelation of how much Jesus loved us, many of us would leave what we used to have and come to something new. Most of us have been abandoned, abused, left for dead, all kinds of stuff. But Jesus and his love for us continues to shine bright in the darkness. It continues to love us beyond our unlovability. Un un it continues to love us even when we were missing the mark, even when we weren't doing what was right. He continues to love us. Even when we were causing all kinds of hell, he continues to love us. Even when we turned our back on him, he continues to love us. His love is never failing. His love is never ending. His love is always compelling you to come home. His love desires you so much. His love wants you to come out of the mess that you're in. His love wants to give you peace. His love wants to give you hope. His love wants to give you a new and a promise that you will never believe that you had before.
Amen. That is the love of the Father shown to us in Jesus Christ. The Lord is not slow about his promises, some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Repentance is a big word in church. It's a very churchy word. And I want to tell you basically what repentance is. Repentance is, and I'm going to turn this way, actually. Repentance is this. Repentance is I was going this way. I was doing these things. I was going this way. I was doing these things. I didn't really know no better. I was going this way, and I was doing these things, and I was on my way right to a burning hell. What repentance basically says is that even though I was going this way, and I was doing these things, and I was on my way to a burning hell, I heard something different. I heard something different. I heard something different. Something interrupted my thinking. I heard something different. Something interrupted my thinking, and after hearing something different and after hearing what interrupted my thinking I took a pause and I said hmm that's interesting and what repentance says is I was once going that way I've heard something different I have a new life I have a new attitude I have a new way of thinking I have a new idea I have new concepts I have new things that I can do I don't have to keep going to hell I can actually get on the path to go to heaven I've heard something different I heard about Jesus I heard that I could be forgiven of my sin I heard there was nothing that I have done so wrong that he doesn't want me I heard that he loved me I heard that he wants me. I heard he wants me out of his hell. I heard that he does not want me hurt, battered, abused, broken, and tore down. I heard it, and Jesus loved me. And in light of hearing that, I repent. I choose. Notice those words. Choose. Choose to go a different way. I choose to learn something new. I want to have sex with someone that is not my wife. I choose to listen to what God said about the matter. And I choose to go a new way. When I want to go to the club and get lit drunk, and the Bible says that drunkenness is a sin, I choose repentance. I choose to go another way. When I, when I want to say, I hate you, I'll never forgive you, I choose forgive, you will be forgiven. I choose. I choose. I don't want to go that way. In light of something new that I've heard, my brain transacts something that says, wait a second, the things that I've learned all my life, the things that they've told me, the, the stuff my family told me to do, the things that were okay, these things are not okay with God. I hear something different. I choose to go another way. See, it's easy when you hear when it's not something that's in your wheelhouse. See, if I say, you know, if I say, well, you know, Brenda is in love with Susie, and she wants, and her and Susie want to get together, we're like, oh, that's wrong. But when it gets into our wheelhouse, all of a sudden, well, you know, I just like to eat, Pastor. Ain't nothing wrong with being just a little rotund. You know, it ain't, ain't, I just, I'm just a, I just like to eat, but you know, gluttony is a sin too. We want, we want to dog out the gays, but we don't want to talk about the fat folks in the church. We want to dog out the drunks, but we don't want to talk about the prideful people in the church. All of them, don't matter what it is, because all sin is going that direction. In light of hearing something different, especially from God's word, I choose to go a new way. And I'm going to tell you something. Me and, uh, me and a couple brothers have talked about this in the church. I'm going to tell you something. That's an everyday choice. 
Let me be honest with you. I get up some mornings and I don't want to be Pastor Rand L. Burton Jr. I get up some mornings and I'm like, I'm stressed to the max. You know what used to reduce my stress? A couple of blunts. And then I would be peaceful as all get out. Just <laughs> Today as well. But I'm going to be honest with you, too. After blunt number one was done, a couple hours go by, I done had some food. And now I'm like, hmm, life still sucks. So guess what you do? Re-up. For different people. Because I was a drinker, too. Life stressed me out. Guess where I'm going, Brother Kelvin? I'm going to pull up to the bar. Well, I'm uh, put it on down there. Just start me a tab, because it's that kind of day. Those are the things that I used to go to. And that's why I say it's a choice. Every day I get up, my life is still impacted with junk, just like y'all. And in fact, I don't know if this is wrong to say or right to say, but I'm going to be honest, when you become a preacher, I think your life gets impacted with triple junk. Because not only do I have to deal with my mess, I also have to deal with the congregation, and then I have to deal with the fact that I'm telling people about Jesus, and guess who doesn't like me to tell people about Jesus? Satan. And that means that Satan is like, Randall Burton Jr. is up, devils, get him. Because the reality is, is if you can tear up a pastor, you'll tear up a whole church. Amen. People, that's why it's like people get ticked off when, you know, pastors get caught up in a whole bunch of mess, but and it tears up a whole church. Satan knows that. He ain't deceived. He's like, get that one. Send the hot, fat booty girl his way. Why? Because he knows that if he gets that pastor and that pastor stumbles and falls, it'll tear up the whole church. And people in the church will say, see, Jesus don't work. No. The reality is, though, I have to choose. I have to choose to love my wife, choose to love my baby, even when she beats me up on the drums. I have to choose to get up. Because, see, what the reality is, too, this is another reality, is that people, there, there's a statement in the Bible that talks about Jesus knocks kind of on the door of your heart. But also, there's also a statement in the Bible that says that sin is always crouching at the door. And so Jesus is knocking daily. I do believe this. He's knocking daily. But sin is always crouching at the door. Hey, you know, I got that, I got, I got that, I got that, I got that uh, quarter for you. Hey, you know, uh, you, you come, come get a little booty call. Hey, hey. It's always right there creeping. And every single morning, every single one of us has to choose to get up and do better. Is this too real for a Sunday morning? Every single day we have to choose to get up and serve Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you what, you up and chose to brush your teeth. You didn't say, well, you know, today I think I'm just going to go stank breath all day. You know, I just, I'm going to dragon breath everybody. Just, <sighs> my mask, I'm just going to violate myself. Just, boom, Jesus. You chose to make that decision. Why can't you choose to say no to sin? You can, you, you can choose easily to say no to stank breath. I'm going to 
of us, that might help some of us in here, because some of you might be with some stank breath female or some stank breath dude that ain't your wife or ain't your husband, and that's a good reminder. When you get up on that stank breath, all of a sudden the Lord's going to be like, that's right, he said choose to do something different. And then you could just say, baby, here's a stick of gum, I'm going to do something different. Go on your way. Every day we must choose, choose, choose. And that's why the Bible says, the Lord is not slow about his promises, as some count slowness, but yet he is a God who is, as the scriptures say here, he is a God who does not wish for any to perish. See, if anyone thinks that God wants them in hell, you're deceived. I want you at a celebration with him. Satan wants you in hell. God doesn't want you in hell. God does not want anyone to perish, but he wants for all of us to come to repentance. That simply is, is, as Brother Hurston often says, surrendering. Surrendering. You have to surrender your life to Jesus. And this is a great example. If anyone has been arrested, and I've told y'all before, I've been arrested. If anyone has been arrested, one of the things that they require of you to do is, you know, worst words you can often hear when they pull up on your car is get out the car, sir. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Get out of the car. This ain't going to be good news. Could you put your hands on the, can you put your hands on the, you know, like, oh, here we go. But there is a reality, too, that uh, a lot of times the police will do this. Get on your knees, sir. Some of them, if they just jerks, cross your ankles. You're like, really? We're doing too much. But guess what? You ain't going nowhere fast. Where are you going to run away on your knees? It's a position of surrender. And a lot of times people do that. You put up your hand. But the truth is that we, still, we have to surrender to God too. And that means that some way, shape, and form, we're going to have to get on our knees. There's a different statement. Put up our hands and surrender to him. And that means you can't run away from him real fast. You have to surrender all of your life. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing any to perish. He does not want you gone. And as a preacher and as a pastor, I'm going to tell you guys this, I don't want to see any of you snatched out of God's hands. I've had a few really, really, really weird dreams. Um, I'm not a huge dreamer, but I've had some very intense dreams in the past about what, what my picture of hell looks like. And I remember very, very distinctly uh, seeing a family member of mine in, in, in this kind of hellish scenery. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Not even my worst enemy. That's why the Bible says pray for your enemies. Pray that they might get saved. Pray that they might come to Jesus. See, the, the billboard for hell looks real pretty. But the reality of it is totally different. Reminds me of the billboards for Hennessy. Everybody's happy. What's that dude with Ray? Spice, the, the captain. Everybody's having a good time. But they don't show you what happens after you've reached the end of that bottle and you're hovering over a toilet praying for forgiveness and you're heaving out your guts like you, you, you just, you're just hoping there'll be some juice that comes back in your mouth. God, please, I'll never do it again. They never show you that part. They show you the party. Satan's billboards are always beautiful. Satan's billboards are glorious. 
Satan's billboards are 36, 24, 36. Satan's billboards look great. But the reality of it is totally something different. I wouldn't wish hell on anybody. And neither does God. He says, I don't want any of you to perish. All of you to come to repentance. That repentance is offered. Not just through me. Every single one of us can go and minister to somebody else. I've come out of stuff just like you all have come out of stuff. I truly believe this. The stuff that God had me come out of is a ministry to certain people. But the stuff that God has some of you, that you and you and you and you and you, that you all have come out of, that's a ministry to somebody else. There are people, I guarantee you, I say this all the time, there are people that will never get to heaven because of Randall Burton Jr., There are some people that are only on your rosters because God has given you a circle of influence. What you came out of, what God delivered you from, what God has set you free from, he set you free so that you could tell somebody else who was in a similar situation, brother, I've been there. That doesn't have to be you. The things that he set you free from, you can go to people and say, they once said this about me, but this doesn't have to be for you, my sister. You can be changed. The stuff that we've all come out of, God gives us a beautiful testimony to administer that grace to somebody else who is lost and on their way to a burning hell. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, you, and you, and you, and me, and anyone you come in contact with, learn to be patient with people in their process. Not everybody's going to be a Christian overnight. Took me a minute. I had to get rid of smoking cigarettes first, then I had to get rid of drinking, then I had to get rid of this and get rid of that. He was patient with me, and so was the people that were in my life that helped me along the process. God doesn't always change everybody like that. So you gotta learn how to walk with people through their mess, through their process. We have to learn to be patient as God is patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but for all. How many? All to come to repentance. Would you pray with me today? Precious Father, thank you, Lord, for the attentiveness of these, your beautiful people. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, share just a few things about my personal life. Uh, Give me, Lord, if it looked too much at me, but I want for people ultimately to look at you. And so, Lord, because you've delivered me and you were patient with me and brought me out of so many things, I'm so appreciative of what you've done in my life. And for these people under the sound of my voice, Lord, I know all of these different stories that are underneath of this roof. Yeah, we still struggle with certain things, but thank you, Lord, for your patience with all of your beautiful people. Thank you, Lord, for what you've brought us out of and what you've brought us into. I pray, Lord, that these words that have gone out from this pulpit today, that they would not fall upon deaf ears. I pray, Lord, that it would challenge the hearts and the minds of your hearers to go out and even to share, Father God, what you are doing in their life. Not because it's about us, but because it's about you and what you're doing. So, Father, I thank you that you show us in our circle of influence the people that we can have influence upon. 
Thank you that you were patient with us. We don't know when you're coming back. If you come back today, Lord, I, I want for us to be in right standing. And if you come back today, Lord, there's people that I don't want to see lost. So I have to do this like it's immediately life or death situation. It is a life or death situation for many of us, Father God. So Lord, use us to your good and glorious purpose. Help us, Father God to continue to be your people that would serve you with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul. We'll be certain that you get all the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. We give you praise in advance, Father God. Thank you that we can rob hell and we can fill up heaven. Use us, Father God, as we exit this building until you bring us back together again. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. I'm so glad that all of you are with us. If the words that I spoke today had any sort of impact upon your life or your heart and you want to talk more with me about it, I'd be more than happy to. Uh, I don't want to close our service without at least extending the opportunity for someone to get to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Uh, it's not just as simple as one prayer sometimes for people. I, I believe that it is a process. And so if you want to have that and begin that discussion, I'd be more than happy to talk with you more about it after service. Um, and so if you would just stand to your feet for just a moment. <clears throat> Father God, thank you, Lord, for these, your beautiful people. Bless them, Lord, in their comings and their goings. Lord, allow for your grace to saturate their lives. I pray, Father God, that uh, the word that went out today, it touched their hearts, Lord, to get them more active about their own faith, choosing every single day to choose you, because certainly, Lord, they can choose one or the other. And Lord, when they brush their teeth in the morning and they choose to do that, I pray that as they look themselves right in the mirror, they say, Lord, we got rid of stank breath this morning. We're going to get rid of stank living today too. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.